Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Out of the eight languages that I've learned, Spanish has been the one that I've most successfully managed to take out of the pages of the textbook, integrate into my life, and actually use to change the course of my life. But it hasn't been without pain and suffering, a lot of struggle, and even a near-death experience along the way. So in this video, I'm gonna tell you the story of how I learned Spanish. Welcome back to the channel. If you're new here, my name is Ollie Richards, and this channel is all about helping you learn a new language through the power of story so you can become fluent faster and live your best life. And in the spirit of stories, today I'm gonna to tell you how I went about learning Spanish. But this is a continuation of the first video I made, which is how I learned French. And in order to really understand where I'm coming from with this, you might like to start with that video on French because it really sets the scene. I just had my very first success with the language. I'd managed to learn French. I'd spent some time in Paris. And then I'd just come back to London. Uh, I'd gone back into my, the second year of, of university, which I'd unceremoniously bailed out of before. I was about to start a new life back in London. And having had this success with French, I felt ambition. I was like 20 years old, give or take, 1920, don't quite remember. I really felt like I could do anything in the world, do anything in with my life, and that included learning Spanish. And so I really set my mind to learning Spanish at that age with a real kind of dedication. I don't remember exactly what it was that sparked the idea of, of Spanish inside me. I think when I discovered the world of languages and the world outside the United Kingdom when I was 19 or so, like it, there's a lot of things that kind of arrived as a package. It wasn't just French that I discovered. It was a, like, there were like 20 languages that I, I could have started to learn back then, but it ended up being French that I learned first. Spanish though was a close second. And I remember a couple of events. One thing in particular I remember that, that sparked my passion for Spanish. And I remember watching the Italian film, uh, Il Postino, which is The Postman. And it was about a an imaginary tale about the real poet Pablo Neruda and it's about him turning up to turning up in Italy and writing poetry and that film although it was in Italian was talking all about the poetry of Neruda and so I remember getting a book of Neruda's poetry um, and reading this in Spanish kind of trying to figure it out so I remember sitting there with a dictionary I could understand a little bit of it already from my from my French but there was something about that poetry reading that poetry in Spanish, it just sounded so romantic to me as like a 20 year old kid. And that was one of the moments I remember that just kind of put Spanish on the map for me, put it on my radar. And then I think because I'd just come back to this new life in London, I was ready for the next kind of linguistic challenge. And that really just sealed the deal for me. And I decided to go about learning Spanish. The events that kind of followed are a little bit of a blur for me, mostly because this story of learning Spanish all happened in London, in the UK. This is not, I didn't go off and live in Spain or anything like that. I was at home and I was kind of fitting in this study of Spanish around the other things I was supposed to be doing. I was at a music college doing a degree in jazz piano. And so that's what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> I actually spent a lot of my time uh, like learning languages because that had just, that's just what kind of grabbed my attention. I do have these images though, of, of, rather than practicing the piano, which is what I should have been doing, I remember sitting in my 
in my in my room in a shared house that I was in in, in um, where was it? It was in Kentish Town in North London. I remember sitting in my room at the top of the house, like with this Spanish grammar book, just in the middle of the day, just studying this Spanish grammar and being t- so totally absorbed in these textbooks. That's kind of the only early memory I have of learning Spanish. It was very traditional, very, yeah, just working through a book that way. But there were a few other events from that period which I remember, and the first of which was language exchanges. Now, language exchanges I had discovered when I was learning French in Paris, and they've been really effective for me. So I remember when I did come back to London, I thought to myself, you know what, I should find someone to do a language exchange with. So I remember there was a time, this is crazy, there was a time when I would take the train in on a Saturday or whatever, take the tube into central London, and I would literally just walk around listening for Spanish. And then whenever I was in a shop and I heard someone speaking Spanish, I would go up to them, to that person, and say, hey, I'm, I'm learning Spanish, You know, do you want to do a language exchange? I would literally kind of go and just like hunt down Spanish speakers and ask them if they wanted to do that. And it's kind of crazy to think that I had that level of drive back then that I would have done anything to find these people. Of course, we didn't have apps like HelloTalk or Tandem like back in the day. You had to, you were responsible for your own, you know, if you wanted something, you had to go out and, and find it. And I remember meeting this one guy called Marcelo, who was Colombian, and he he lived and worked in this pub in central London, and, and he was really up for it. So we started meeting like a couple of times a week and doing a language exchange in English and Spanish. I was totally new to Spanish, so he was probably teaching me really basic phrases, um, and but I was kind of using that as my way to get started along with my, my textbook. That's pretty much all I remember doing, really. It was kind of studying my textbook and doing the occasional language exchange. But I do remember a couple of moments where like this Spanish I was learning collided with reality. And the first of those was when I went to visit my friend Gabriela in Madrid. I don't remember how I met Gabriela. I, it's too long ago, but I remember going to visit her in Madrid and a couple of things happening there. Mostly, like the one event that I remember was she took me out in the evening to this big kind of big canteen bar food place like in the middle of Madrid and a bunch of her friends came along and I remember a really fantastic atmosphere there like with a guy, and there's a guy playing flamenco guitar in the corner. We were all drinking beer and her friends started to come and they would sit down next to me and start to, she would introduce me and then they would talk to me in Spanish and I would like, that I would like try and introduce myself and then very quickly they would figure out that I couldn't really speak Spanish very well. And I remember my friend Gabriela, like very well intentioned, but she would just sit there translating what her friends were saying to me in English, like for the whole night. And I just remember feeling so, like this crippling embarrassment and shame at not being able to understand and and I remember my whole body just kind of shutting down. You know, I'd been studying Spanish for, for months at that point, and then I'd gone to Spain, like chasing this dream or whatever. It was just for a few days, like on holiday. But I remember just being so useless. And I remember so viscerally the feeling of not being able to, to handle it. And that stayed with me for quite some time. I remember going back to London and um, just carrying on studying. It was almost like a kind of therapy or like a way of coping with it somehow and that's the overriding feeling I have of that first stage of learning Spanish and it's this kind of combination of like not being able to understand overthinking everything I remember trying to kind of piece together grammar grammatical sentences in in my head and obsessing over the grammar I remember I couldn't roll my R so if I wanted to say a word like perro for dog 
I'd have to say pelo, pelo. I'd have to kind of try and use an L instead. And I remember being so embarrassed that I couldn't roll my R. So a lot of psychological stuff going on there, which I know a lot of people have to like struggle to get to grips with when they're learning a new language. And I suffered that big time, but everything changed at some point, like a, a year later or around that time when I took a trip to Argentina. And I tell this story often about what happened to me on the mountain in Argentina. And if you want to see the full video, you can um, click up here to, uh, to, to to, to, to hear the whole story about what happened. But suffice it to say that I uh, went up a mountain in Argentina and it was very high up and I did, I got some kind of altitude sickness. I couldn't breathe and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I ended up getting my breath back obviously, but because I was too scared to go back to sleep, this was in the middle of the night, I grabbed a book in Spanish and started reading for the first time. And that experience of reading, sitting in the moonlight on top of that mountain, reading, changed everything for me because that was the first time I'd actually had proper immersion in written Spanish. And I realized that I was remembering a whole bunch of words um, that grammar was starting to make sense to me. And over a period of a, of, a, of a few weeks while I was on holiday there, I just kept reading more and more and more. And I realized that suddenly everything was improving. I was understanding more, I could speak more. And this began my obsession with, with stories and my understanding that the key to learning languages is not through traditional study, but it's through immersion and input in the language. And this is the whole foundation of my, of my story learning method. It all started on top of that mountain. So it was around that time that I stopped studying altogether. My thought process was like, well, I've done all this traditional study and I've been using my textbooks and studying grammar, but all it's been resulting, the, the results of all of that is just me not being able to understand anything and just getting really tongue tied whenever I was trying to kind of put sentences together. It wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. And yet, as soon as I started spending time immersed, just letting the language kind of wash over me, that's when I started really improving because I was able to just see the language as a whole and start to move in that direction and, and stopping kind of overloading my brain. That was a very big shift for me. And so essentially I put the textbooks away and I started reading all the time. And that's uh, this is this was really when when my Spanish just really started to take off. But around that time, a couple of things happened. So I went back to London from from this holiday in Argentina, and then I met a guy called Tomas. Now Tomas is a guy from the Canary Islands. He's one of my 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 closest friends, and I happened to meet him at a time where he had just arrived in London uh, to go to the same university where I was, and he really didn't speak very good English at all. Now at the beginning, because uh, you know my Spanish wasn't all that good either, we kind of like did like a mix of um, of English and Spanish. But what we had in common was the music. Right? So we both loved Latin music. We were both kind of very interested in each other's like cultures. So we made we made so our friendship was based on things aside from the language. But there was enough kind of in common there that made us want to try to communicate. And this was a great opportunity because there I was in London finally starting to read a whole bunch in Spanish, listen to as much as I could, immerse myself in the language, and then met this guy who became a really close friend, almost like a brother to me. And we would just basically hang out every day for the best part of two years in London. And the if you imagine a graph of my Spanish, it kind of went like from this to like a, a total rocket ship in that time. And this came from a combination of two things. It was all the reading that I was doing in Spanish, along with the immersion from listening and the opportunity to speak. And so over the course of the next couple of years, I had a, essentially a Spanish life 
in London. There were many days where I would I would speak um, far more Spanish than English, and it just it, it just became a real part of my life. He this, Tomas would introduce me to kind of other Spanish friends of his. We would hang out. I'd go many times to hang out with him in the Canary Islands, where he's from. My Spanish accent, by the way, is from the Canary Islands. Lots of people ask me that, like, Ollie, where did you learn your Spanish? Well, it was from a guy from the Canary Islands in London, so it's kind of weird. Uh, I haven't really spent that much time in, in in mainland Spain. So there was very little study going on during that time. This was before the days of Anki, so there were no flashcards or anything like that. I, I I'd already discarded my my grammar books, but one of the things I remember doing when I was when I was hanging out with 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 Tomas is we would kind of we would both be very interested in in grammar, and you know sometimes people think well if you if all you're doing is kind of immersing does that mean that you don't think grammar is important and you know couldn't that couldn't be further from the truth, I remember like with with Tomas like we would we'd have so much so many times when we would like just be I don't know like to hanging out doing nothing a whole the whole day and we, and I'd, I'd be I'd ask him questions like so man how do how do I say if I had wanted to go through I don't know whatever asking him how to express these kind of complex grammatical things in Spanish and he would take a real interest in that you tell me how to say it and then he would also want to learn like how to say it in English so I kind of like with his help almost tr- became this kind of Spanish grammar technician because uh, I was so interested in how to express these different concepts, and I'd learn about the subjunctive and the in the in, in the present and the past forms, and then and and then I would kind of go off and then read, and I would see this stuff there. So it really became a, a total immersion environment um, at that point, and that is how my Spanish got to where it was. And I never really studied Spanish ever again after that in the traditional sense because. Ultimately, if you can get your language to a level where you're just living and existing in the language, then you really have no need for studying. And I've always been very aware with with, with Spanish and, and most of my other language, all of my other languages as well, that I've kind of there's a lot more that I could learn. So I don't really consider any of my languages to be at a C2 level, like a super advanced level, because I'm, I'm kind of very aware that there's a bunch of like more more complex grammar that I don't know and vocabulary areas that I'm not really familiar with. But I've also never really cared about that because I've been so like content to have this new language as a as a true part of my daily life. That's all I really ever want. And so sometimes like when I hear discussions about how to get perfect in a language or like discuss or if someone asks me a question on some advanced grammar topic in Spanish or, or whatever it may be, I often find myself kind of thinking, yeah, you know what? I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Just like whatever. I, I don't know. And it's very fulfilling to get a language to that point where you where it just, you just are with the language. And yeah, you make mistakes, but you also don't care. It's a very enlightening thing to get to the point where you don't care about mistake, making mistakes in the language because you know that the way that you use it and the way that you interact with people and the relationship you have, the pure relationship you have with your true friends, like that's all that matters. And I think that is really kind of perfectly summarizes and explains how I think about language learning in general. It's not about the language. The language is a vehicle to do something else, which in my case is to form relationships with people from different cultures and, and just enrich my life in that sense. 
What is the most difficult stage in learning a new language? Well, many people will tell you that it is speaking, is when you first start to speak and you have those kind of terrifying conversations in front of a native speaker for the first time. And it's terrifying because you realize that actually all that stuff you thought you knew well, it turns out you didn't know it quite as well as you thought. You begin to freeze up, you trip over, the, over your words, your memory just stops working, and speaking is just an all-round distressing experience. We've all been there, I've been there in many, many languages. And, and to help with this, I've written a series of books called 101 Conversations. And these conversations are designed to tell a story. So right from the first one to the very last one, it tells a really interesting story that's completely set in the target language. And these, because these are conversations, there is no narrative. There's no fluffy descriptions. It is just blow by blow, real conversations in the target language that are gonna help you learn and memorize the most important words and phrases in the language so that you can speak with more confidence. Now, these books I've written in French, German, Italian, Spanish, English, and they're all available on Amazon. So if you head over to amazon.com and you search for Ollie Richards 101, then they should pop right up. That is on amazon.com, search for Ollie Richards 101, and you can find there the Kindle version, the paperback version, the audio version, so that you can train your ear at the same time. There is this, these will keep you busy for weeks, if not months, and they're also super affordable. So I hope you go and check them out, and I hope you enjoy the books. Once again, on Amazon.com, simply search Ollie Richards 101.